is Lois Kramer, and I run a company called Book More Business. And if you really want to learn the science of creating six and seven figure businesses, significantly increase your revenue, and learn how to successfully build a professional organization and relationships, you should be listening to Sell Without Selling this very podcast because she brings people like me on there. It's got to be good if she does that. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, Lois Kramer. Lois is an industry expert working with speakers, consultants, and experts who want to book more business. Does that sound like anything anybody wants to do? And check this out, make more money and fully monetize their message. She is the author of Book More Business, Make More Money Speaking, and the speaker author, Sell More Books and Book More Speeches. Both books are available on Amazon as well as bookstores. Clients include Chicken Soups, Jack Canfield, author of The Sales Bible, Jeffrey Gittimer, Patricia Fripp, and more. Her expertise in no-nonsense style, which is why you're going to see how much I love this woman, led to invitations to present at NSA, which is National Speakers Association, national meetings and conventions, and every chapter. She also presents at Canadian Speakers Association, Professional Speakers Association in the UK, India, South Africa, and Down Under, as well as England and Scotland. In 2021, she was awarded Honorary Fellow of the Professional Speakers Association in England and Ireland. Lois has appeared in Forbes, Bloomberg Business, Speaker Magazine, and the Wall Street Journal. We'll make sure that we include all her contact information in the ad notes. And really quick, I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. And I'm telling you, I'm so looking forward to you hearing this conversation with Lois today. If you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your success, and your bank account to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a phone call with us to see if we're a great fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. Lois, thanks for joining us today. 
Thanks for joining us. I, I can't wait to hear us. We sound pretty good in that introduction. I know, right? <laughs> I'm so excited for our listeners to hear you. You know, not only are you a resident expert in really helping people get their message out there, being seen, heard, and found, you're also a hoot to talk with. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. As are you, my friend. Well, thank you. So what got you what got you into the speaking business? How did you evolve into this? Well, it's a great question and the answer is totally by accident. This is not anything I had ever planned. Yep. Um I worked right out of college. I worked for a little mom and pop here in St. Louis called the United States Steel Corporation in marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. And I left when uh, I adopted a little girl to stay home for a number of years. And then I got a call from a professional speaker. And uh, one of my college friends said, you had a caller. She was in sales and marketing. So he called me, Stacy, and he said, look, I'm looking for somebody to run my business. And I said, boy, how interesting. Speaking is a business. You can do that. That was really my my thought. And um, just, I really said, I'm not not looking for a job, but you sound great. I wish you the best of luck. Then he called back 10 minutes later and he said, would you agree to have lunch with me? And I said, I'll have lunch with you. And uh, we finished lunch. He paid for lunch. I started the following Monday and we decided we would give it a start, uh, give it a try. And um, that's how I got in the speaking business. And then I was asked by National Speakers Association to present to uh, speakers on selling, which is really what I did for him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started thinking, could there be a business in this for me mm-hmm. after people were constantly inviting me out to lunch? Stacy. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try and see what I think. And that was 1998. So you didn't uh, like it at all. <laughs> yeah, so far, I'm still trying it out. Um, but, you know, I've been very fortunate and it's the nichest of businesses that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been very lucky. I, and I really, I have to say I'm blessed. I love what I do. I get to work with creative, interesting people. I've met some of the most interesting people in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had a lot of fun along the way. So that's how I got into it totally by accident. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because people ask me, how did you become a coach? How did you become a speaker and trainer? And the same thing, I fell into it. I, and when I go. say I fell into it, I, I still think I'm cleaning myself off and brushing myself from that trip. And the accident part about it is beautiful because then, you know, we just kind of evolve into our own. And for me, it's never really felt like I've ever worked. Well, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way. I have felt really lucky. I keep waiting for somebody to knock on the door and go, look, the jig is up. you've gotten away with this far too long and I'll tell you um, about the fourth year I was in business one of my uh, speaker clients owned other businesses Mm -hmm. and he said I want you to come and do some sales training for my other businesses and I thought you know these skills are transferable working with speakers to promote themselves so then I started speaking to corporate sales teams on sales Mm -hmm. and I did that for a number of years I don't do that anymore this is enough but um, but I've thoroughly enjoyed the trip and it's taken me places I never would have uh, thought of. Uh, but boy, it has really been fun. 
I love that. I absolutely love that. So, you know, there, there's several things I want to talk with you about today. I, I absolutely want to talk to you about sales and salespeople. I mean, the foundation of this, of the entire show is how to sell without selling. And, you know, for me, there, there's a huge science behind that because the easy answer is if you show up and serve, if you understand the need, want, and desire, and if you're the best of the best with your product, service, and solution, and you serve the prospective client, there, there's no such thing as selling. However, so many people attempt to do all these fancy techniques and this is just a business of humans serving humans is really all it is. And yeah, I agree. And so, and then the, the other thing is, you know, you you deal with speakers and 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 I think that 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 the two scenarios are somewhat synonymous because salespeople have to be good communicators. Yes. We have to be able to speak and present. And so many people think of speaking as large platform, and it yes. absolutely can be. However, if you're talking to anyone, you're speaking, right? Absolutely, absolutely right. It can be uh, to one other person. Yeah. That, that you're speaking. S speaking is a multidiscipline talent. Mm. Uh, and I think you acquire it by doing it. Yeah. Uh, and certainly you can get coaches to help, but um, you, you get good at it by doing it. So whether it's one person, it's to your uh, fellow employees, it's to your boss, your leadership team, it's all speaking to me. Yeah. You know, it's funny because people, people ask me all the time, cause I'm a diehard introvert. I, I'm like, it's, it's my job when I walk into the room to hold the wall up so it doesn't fall down. That's my job. And on top of it, when I was little, I was a chronic stutterer. And oh. to this day I'm still, I still have stutter steps. I'm just aware of them. So I kind of know how to avoid them. Mm -hmm. And people always ask me, how is it when you get up on stage you don't freeze or you don't make mistakes. And I said, when did you decide I didn't make mistakes? I make them all the time. <laughs> and they look at me and they're like, well, we don't know about it. And I said, that's the beautiful thing about being a speaker. You never know what's gonna come out of my mouth. So even if I mess up, nobody knows because everything I say is just right. <laughs> you know, it's most of us mere mortals have experiences where we have totally uh, messed up. Yep. And, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. People allow you more grace than we allow ourselves, I think, typically. And now all of the speaking, the only speaking really that I do now are to groups of professional speakers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been I've been asked, wow, isn't that really nerve wracking speaking to groups of speakers? And I said, you know what? The great thing about it, there is nobody who wants me to succeed more than my audience filled with professional speakers and who allow me more grace uh, if I trip up over something. Yeah, yeah. And if we can laugh, they laugh. Yes. I mean, it's funny because saying success so much can come out so many other ways. And my uh, podcast editor so many times has clipped out I really should just edit your podcast for free because of the the, the humor that, that you deliver and how much you make me laugh. <laughs> so let's let's talk because one of the there were two major reasons I was excited for you to be on the show. One of them I really want to dive into right now. The second one we'll dive into in a little bit. So you used to deliver sales training, right? And now yes. you and now you teach people how to speak. So the sales. Well, training. now I don't teach people how to speak. 
you know, I just want to be clear about what, what my uh, role is. I am the person you come to if you already have a speech. There you go. And you have the ability to deliver it in a compelling way. Mm-hmm. I don't write material. I don't tell you what your expertise is. But once you have that, you come to me if you want to make money with it. There you go. Okay. So you help speakers make money. Yes. <laughs> so let's go to the entrepreneur, the business owner, the independent sales professional, the self-employed person. Why do you think so many struggle? Looking back, of course, my experience is the one that I would cite the most. Yeah. And I think that coming into your own business, and I was not a toddler when I started in 1998. I know it's hard to believe looking at me, (laughs) but um, it takes so much self-discipline to run your own business and to be a good steward of your time and your resources, I think, especially when starting out. Mm -hmm. And um, I do think, however, that anybody starting out in business now it's a huge plus if you learn to communicate really well. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying become a professional speaker necessarily, though I think it's a good way to promote yourself. Mm-hmm. But I mean, join Toastmasters. I call Toastmasters the off-Broadway of speaking. Mm-hmm. For people who uh, feel like they want to up their skill level, get good feedback from people who are used to giving feedback, mm-hmm. meet other business people who are all there to be better at communicating. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good start. And in fact, I was talking to one of uh, my school board members in my uh, local city here. I live in St. Louis. And I said, I wish that there was a Toastmaster club in every high school in this country, yeah. because I think it would be a wonderful thing, a wonderful skill for kids to start acquiring really early mm-hmm. and being a little bit more confident yeah. uh, about voicing what they think. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it is absolutely essential as an entrepreneur, you know your expertise and whether or not you want to speak, you're able to communicate that expertise in a compelling way. Hmm. And I also think that, you know, I really like that, that you said be a really good steward of your discipline. So many business owners, entrepreneurs, self-employed sales professionals, they're really good at what it is they do. They're really yes. good at their trade. They're really bad at everything around what what they do, right? And, you know, I wholeheartedly believe that we do what we do best and then hire the best to do the rest. Uh, You know, I was just going to say, I outsource a lot of the administrivia associated with my business. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you come in, when I first started, the best use of my time was to do every damn thing. empty the trash, (laughs) refill the cartridge with ink. But as you grow, you constantly need to be asking yourself, what's the best use of my time? One. Mm -hmm. And what is it that I like to do? And what is it that I really don't like to do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that made me really grow into loving my business more when I outsourced the things I really didn't like to do. Mm -hmm. I could have learned it. Yeah, But I really didn't want to. And I didn't think it was the best, highest and best use of my time. And I think that's something that we ask ourselves, we should be asking ourselves constantly. Yeah, you know, and then I think one of the other things that creates an obstacle for people is the itty bitty shitty committee. You know, the voice in the head really second guesses themselves or argues with themselves or or really prevents them from stepping in and owning their empowerment. You know, they, 
they start looking on social media and comparing themselves to others, which then just deploys the itty bitty shitty committee times 10. It does. Yes, yeah. I agree. And I think that um, I know I am my own worst critic. And, you know, I'm going to come back to something I just said a few minutes ago. I will allow grace to someone else before I'll allow it for my for myself. Yeah. Now, that's something I, I need to work on. I mean, there are still things that all of us can work on. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I can work on. I think being um, self-critical to a big extent is not a good thing. And you need to recognize when that's happening and find a way to get over that. Find a way to get over that. Um, I am an optimist by nature, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, and many times it's a choice to make, I think. Yeah. And many times I may decide to be optimistic, mm -hmm. even in a time that is not. Uh, but I, I do think that our businesses, just like our lives, mm -hmm. uh, are a culmination of the experiences and the choices we make. Mm -hmm. So what inspires you to do what you do now? You know, I love uh, working with people who have great information and want to affect a large number of people with that great information. Who yeah. want to really, um, it, you know, it's kind of like stowing, uh, throwing a stone into a pond and seeing it ripple. That's okay. what I think a lot of my clients do. They uh, have some expertise and they dip at the pond. And then when they leave, all of these little waves come mm -hmm. from it. Mm -hmm. um, most of my clients uh, absolutely can't wait to get on the stage. Many of them do other things mm -hmm. besides speak. Mm -hmm. But I think the ability and the ability to hold people's attention is a compelling thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is um, it, it's always a wonderment to me uh, when people show up. <laughs> you announce you're going to be there and people show. I'm always stunned. I live in, in, I'm just constantly stunned, Stacy. But I think that it's such a benefit when you feel I can reach so many more people by speaking, by communicating my expertise. Yep. And it, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. And it's also a heady responsibility. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So let's let's roll into speaking be, because we keep touching on it. So, you know, a lot of our listeners are self-employed business owners, entrepreneurs, sales professionals, and they're saying, Stace, what does this have to do with selling? What does this have to do with selling without selling? What does this have to do with success? You know, whether or not, in my humble opinion, you aspire to be a professional speaker or not, speaking is still necessary. And reality is, I wholeheartedly believe that you can fish with a pole or fish with a net. And when you do these onesie twosie presentations, you're fishing with a pole. Yes. When you put yourself into a room where you can really touch and impact and move a multitude of people simultaneously, you're really fishing with a net. That's just yes. my humble opinion. Right. I mean, I'm this girl from the East Coast that moved to San Diego when I was 13 years old that had a stuttering problem and was told that I'd never be able to complete a sentence. Right. And now I speak uh, the largest venue I've ever spoken had 7,500 people in it. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, you're standing on stage. And if you don't think that itty bitty shitty committee deployed, <laughs> <laughs> it did. No. 
So, you know, for those people, it doesn't matter if you're presenting your product service or solution, or if you're leading a team, or if you're doing a pancake breakfast to introduce people to life insurance, you're speaking. Yes. So let's talk about speaking. And you wrote a book, Book More Business, Make Money Speaking. So let, let's talk about that because I know a lot of my listeners want to book more business. And I know a lot of my listeners, they're listening because they're always looking for ways to make more money. And I'll tell you, I think speaking, you can make great money speaking, Stacey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's no sin in making money. I am a believer in that. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that your ability to promote your service, whether you're an entrepreneur, a small business, your ability to promote what it is that you do by sharing some of your expertise with an audience Mm -hmm. is an absolutely stellar opportunity to get business. Mm -hmm. I, when I started, you know, Stacey, I remember sitting around a table with a mastermind group that invited me in early on in my business, people who were much more successful than I was. It's the exact group I wanted to be in, Mm -hmm. the exact group I wanted to be in. And I remember sitting down when I literally just started my business. In fact, I looked at my watch. I said, I've been in business 20 minutes, everybody. (laughs) And I said, I don't even know what to charge. Okay. And so one of my friends said, well, if you're going to start out consulting, you need to ask at least $50 an hour. This was 1998 money. I said, $50 an hour. I said, you know, before I sat down here, I thought I'd have to put pantyhose over my head and have a gun in my hand to get $50 an hour. Wow. It, sometimes we just can't imagine and see the value mm-hmm. of our expertise. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're selling. I'm in the intellectual property business. So are you, Stacy. Yep. And anybody who is consulting, training, anything like that, you're really in the intellectual property business. And then you need to ask yourself, how can I best spread uh, what it is that I do out in the world? Mm-hmm. And speaking is an absolutely compelling way to do it. This mm-hmm. my marketing is speaking in front of all the groups you mentioned in my introduction, yeah. because I think if I show up, if I give good, uh, a lot of great content, when mm-hmm. they feel like they need somebody, I might be the one that they call. And it's worked out really well for me for 20 years. Yeah. You know, so many salespeople show up and spray and pray or show up and throw up and, and they have very little focus in their message. And, you know, I'm sorry, delivering an elevator pitch, that's speaking, you know, delivering your presentation, that's speaking, serving, serving a prospective client, that's speaking, going into a corporate office and pitching your largest proposal ever, that's speaking. Better believe it. Right. You better believe it. And, uh, you know, I think that it would really behoove people to get comfortable doing this uh, in whatever basis you can. You know, it's why I'm going to preach about Toastmasters again. I swear I don't get a finder's fee when people sign up. But I think it is such a great place to go in to learn some presentation skills, to get comfortable and learn some of the nuances about being comfortable in front of people. Mm -hmm. And when you see the quality of people 
who are in some of these Toastmasters groups. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's stunning. I mean, there are CEOs, CFOs there who want to communicate better to their employees, want to make sure that they're putting their best foot forward. Yeah. I have a friend uh, who's been in the business 25 years. She does very, very well. She will never miss a Toastmasters meeting when she's in town. And I said, why do you go to those things? You've been out of town. You're hauling it off to the Toastmasters meeting. She said, I get the best feedback on new material. Nice. That's from awesome. my Toastmaster group. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, being able to communicate your expertise in a comfortable, confident way yeah. goes a long way towards getting more opportunities to do what you want to do. Yeah, and I and I think so many people miss that that practice. You know, yes. they, they miss that development and they just wing it. And you know, winging it, winging it will always yield winging it results. Now, I am the type of speaker that I have a framework, you know, my, my PowerPoint slides, they're pictures and they keep me from going down rabbit holes. I'm not the type of speaker that has words all over them. It just, it tell, it's my frame and sure. I always speak from the heart, right? I don't have this canned pitch to where I have it memorized because it's always a little similar and always a little different. And you get my wholeheartedness connection. And I think because people are so in their head about what it is they're going to say, they often talk to people instead of with people. Yes. I, you know, I think so. You know, going back to what you said, your slides are the touch points for you to just keep you, keep you in the content mm -hmm. uh, to keep everything in. You know, I was uh, laughing a couple of weeks ago. I got an invitation from a chapter in National Speakers Association. This woman called me and she said, Lois, I heard you in 2000, you were at our chapter and I heard you, I have my notes and um, now I'm in charge of programming and I wanted to know, what are you going to talk about? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about the same thing <laughs> that I talked about in 2000. I said, essentially, but some, some, there've been some nuances of change in the world since mm -hmm. 2000. So right. I might roll that in, in there. But, um, you know, I have uh, certain things that I always cover mm -hmm. um, and uh, that uh, people will miss if, if I don't say it. So I, I would say I have certain points, too, that I always make. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can get um, clues from the audience what's working and what's not. And I'm always ready to move on. If I think I'm boring somebody, I'm always ready to move on. Yeah. But, you know, these are these are things that you discover. Um, by doing it. Um, I, you know, I, I think the first thing you discover with your first audience is that you lived through it. <laughs> and, and people aren't throwing overly ripe fruit at you. as you right, These right. are all good signs. Yes, they are. That, that, that you might want to try it again. Uh, but as I said, I audiences are much more forgiving. Yeah. Uh, audiences of whatever size mm -hmm. are much more forgiving than most people realize yeah and and once again the terminology audience is relevant yes it can totally. be a party of one I mean for me for me I built two seven figure businesses 100% from word of mouth marketing also yep. known as as professional networking so you know I 
I spoke when I gave my one minute commercial, that was speaking. I spoke when I did a 10 minute presentation, that was speaking. And it's funny because, you know, people say that the number one fear is public speaking and it's even over death. And I remember the first time I got in a room full of entrepreneurs that I was networking at and I had to deliver a 10 minute presentation. I remember that itty bitty shitty committee deploying to the point where fear set in. Sure. And then I just came to two realizations. Other people's opinion about me is none of my business and they don't know what I'm going to say. So everything I say is just right. (laughs) You know, it's so true. That is absolutely true. They don't know what PowerPoint slide is coming next or that you've diverted or you've gone off. They don't know this. That, That is a great point to remember. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many different ways to speak today. And I know that you help people who are impact makers, content providers, coaches, speakers, you help them make money doing what they do. Right. And, and I want to talk about that in a minute. I, right now, I want to look at all the different ways there are to speak. You know, we have Facebook lives, we have reels, we have YouTube, you know, we have so many ways to virtually get our message out there, as well as, you know, now that in some areas, you know, COVID restrictions are lifting up and in some areas they aren't. For the areas that COVID restrictions are lifting up, you have live environments. They might not be as big as they were, but we are seeing an evolution of live coming back. Absolutely. What are some tips that you can give the person that's, that's attempting to connect with their audience live? Well, you know, everybody talks about engagement and it, it, it's become almost a cliche to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear it all the time. Yeah. And I think uh, audience engagement to me is just making sure that your message is meaningful to the people you are messaging. Mm-hmm. And um, for example, if, if I'm hired to speak, what is the most important thing the person who hired me wants me to accomplish? And you know, Stacey, one of my first sales trainings that I did, I was talking to a meeting planner who had hired me and I said, what's the most important thing that I can do for you at this meeting? Mm-hmm. And she answered, end on time. <laughs> And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? And I always like to uh, interview a few people. If I'm going, was going into corporations, I wanted to talk to a few people who would be there. I wanted to talk to some sales managers and see what they were really struggling with. Mm -hmm. And I like to call them out by name. And I like to say, when I talked to Joe Smith, he said, closing was one of the things that you're wrestling with right now. Mm -hmm. You know, people are attuned when you're addressing uh, their needs. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think of speaking kind of as being in the filling needs business for myself. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And you said something early on here, which I truly believe. I think serving is another word for sales. Yeah, agreed. And not everybody wants to serve. Not everybody wants to sell. Mm-hmm. But for those of us out here who uh, have our own business, small, mine is a very small business, But if I cannot promote myself in a compelling way, if I can't make my own case very well, who's going to do it for me? And the answer is nobody. 
Yeah. And uh, so it just serves you to be comfortable talking about your expertise. Yeah. And so I think engaging with people, being engaging is just being responsive to mm. their needs. I love that. You know, you, you said something earlier I want to touch on that you had inserted yourself into a mastermind where everyone in it was making more than what you did and you absolutely your business 20 minutes ago. You know, I think one of the things that really impale people from being the best version of themselves and really from leveling up is their lack of investment in themselves. I think so. Uh, you know, I think so. And I think starting out, um, most people come in, most smart people come in with a very, being very conservative. And you should be, you mm -hmm. should be conservative. When you're not making any money, mm -hmm. it's hard to spend money. Mm -hmm. But, you know, something that I know for a fact, I constantly spend money with consultants, you know, and somebody asked me about this. Um, I hired somebody to redo my website. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends said, why are you hiring somebody to uh, consult with you on that? You can just hire a designer. You're in sales and marketing. And I said, well, that's one approach. That's one approach. But what I know to be true is the reason I have a business uh -huh. is that most speakers and consultants have a very myopic view. We have, I have a very myopic view of my own business. Yeah. I can't see it with a perspective that an outsider has. Yeah. So I need that. Um, I, I need somebody to be able to see that clearly. Uh, that Am I communicating what I want to communicate? Lots of times I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was great information for me. And mm -hmm. then also, what does it say about me as a consultant if I won't ever hire a consultant for myself? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what does that say about your authenticity, quite frankly? Yeah, yeah. I tell people all the time, you know, you can spend money or you can invest money. And, and <laughs> when I hire people, it's, I've done my due diligence. You know, I, I hired you and I'm so excited to be working with you. I mean, thank you. I, I am too. Come on. You worked with Jack Canfield. <laughs> if you can work with a name like that, I think you can help me. <laughs> and for me, I look at it this way. If we do our due diligence, and if we surround ourselves with people who have navigated in an environment that we have not, who, who can see the blind spots that we can't, yes, and that we can turn around and take that information, touch more lives, make a bigger impact, and make a larger difference, how can you not not invest in yourself? And I'd like to go one step further. If you're selling a product, service, and solution, and you have needs, wants, and desires out there that you can serve, satisfy, and fulfill. If you can't invest in you, how can you ever expect those other needs, wants, and desires to believe you to invest in you? Absolutely true. That, to me, speaks to authenticity again. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I am not comfortable around people who feel like they know it all. Amen to that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I am the first to admit that I don't know it all. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've enjoy, enjoyed on my journey in business, quite frankly, is that uh, I, I look at this as constant learning for me. There are new tools, tactics, techniques that come along all the time. 
my job is to discern out of those for my clients, Mm -hmm. which ones would be a good investment of your time. Mm -hmm. But I'm learning the entire, the entire time. That's something that I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. And I think that most successful people have a really high rate of curiosity. I'm curious about a lot of things. And I love working with people like that. Mm -hmm. I love working with people like that. Mm -hmm. There's, there's some things I'm very clear on. And that is, I don't know what I don't know. I do know what I don't know. I know what I know. (laughs) And I don't know what I know. And it's the don't know that I don't know. That gives me so much room to be the better version of myself. And the only way I can ever expose those is if I invest in people that have a different perspective on it so that they can pull the blind spots out. Absolutely. And you know, and when you're investing in someone else, when they're bringing something to you, it doesn't mean you have to always agree with, with uh, them. You, you know, we bring our own sense uh, of, what's a fit for us along with us. And so you view things through that lens of what will work for you. And I know when I'm working with clients, I always say, look, I don't always know what's best for you. I rarely know what's best for me. So I'm not going to take responsibility for knowing what's best for you. All I ask is that you really consider what I have to say, Mm -hmm. give it some consideration, but ultimately you live with the decisions you make and I go on to my next client. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that's a real realistic vision of my consulting practice. I always tell people you have to listen to your own self. um, But I just ask that you consider what you've paid me lots of times to tell you, but still, you know, you have, we live with the decisions we make every day. They become part of who we are and how we do business. And I recognize that that's a heady responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I, I love bringing to people's attention is so many people say personal and professional development don't work. And all I ever hear is them say, I spend money on myself and then I don't do the work. That's what I hear them say. Because how we do some things is how we do everything. And how we do the little things is how we do the big things. I think so. And if, if it hasn't worked in the past, then do a couple things. Do yourself a favor. Ask yourself, did I do my due diligence in picking the right people? Because yes. well, I think you and I both know there's a lot of people with microphones out there that shouldn't have them. Yes, absolutely right. And just like there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of things that they shouldn't be doing. And all that being said, if you did do your due diligence and pick the right pe- the, the right person to be that that mentor or that expert in that area, then ask yourself how else does it show up where I take steps into things and I don't follow through with them. Boy, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question, and it, you know I think that it really is true. Yeah. That you know, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about you've got to be a good steward of your time Mm -hmm. and your resources. Because if you're, if you say, I'm going to do this uh, three-day seminar, uh, you know, uh, let me tell you just a quick story. I got a call from a speaker in Arizona and he was a referral from a client of mine who's uh, worked with me 
several times over 20 years, a very good client. So my ears are popping when this guy said his name. So he called me, we talked about working together. I said, call me back if you have any questions. He called me back the next day, wanted to talk another 45 minutes on whether he should work with me. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, if you still can't decide whether I'm a fit, I'm probably not a fit. Yeah. Well, that automatically made him really want to work with me. <laughs> so we started talking some more about things. And I said, you know what? I don't think we're a good fit. And he said, what are you talking about? I'm gonna, I, I want you to come out to Phoenix and work with me. And I said, here's what would happen. And I knew this after two days of talking to him. So I would make you send me a bunch of money. Okay. I would get on a plane and I would fly to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Then you got to pick me up at the airport. I won't stay at the day's end. You've got to put me up in a nice place that is room service. It has to be nice. Yeah. Then you have to feed me. I'm very hungry. I like food. You've got to feed me well. Then I'm going to spend two days telling you everything that you've already said you have no intention of doing. Then you have to pay me even more money to go away. You got to pay me the other half of my fee. Then you got to take me to the airport, put me on the plane, and I'll go home. And you'll go to your speaker colleagues and you'll say this, you know, I just spent two days with Lois Kramer and she really didn't have that much to show me. Oh, wow. Hmm. That's also part of the discernment yep. of knowing when people are a good fit for you yep. and when they're not a good fit for you. Agreed. Agreed. You know, my, my closing ratio to a room is about 40 to 60%. Wow. My closing ratio one-on-one -on -one is 88%. It, it has a lot to do with the science I teach and understanding how to step into people's map of reality and speak into their listening. And, and also my authenticity, my congruency, and my core factor that I stand on is integrity. I yes. say all of this to say, I've been confronted. If, you, if your tools are all that in a bag of chips, then why isn't your individual closing ratio 100%? And I laugh and I say, because that 12%, I don't want to do business with. It's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. It really is the truth. You know, I tell other clients and I tell speakers, when you are considering speaking, uh, when you're looking for a business uh, to speak to and you're approaching it has to be a conversation to see if fit exists mm -hmm. and it has to fit on both sides yeah. Stacey I remember talking to my daughter uh, when she was interviewing for jobs and I said don't go in there feeling like uh, he's doing me the biggest favor in the world right. interviewing me they yeah. have a need they wouldn't be talking to you yep. if they didn't think you were a good prospect. Doesn't guarantee you're going to get the job, but go in knowing your self-worth and they are spending time with you mm -hmm. and yeah. they didn't have to. They could have said, no, we just don't think that this is a good fit. Yeah. You know, yeah. so much goes into this, yeah. but I think the power of discernment about clients and the people that you work with are incredibly important and sustaining Absolutely. for a business. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the power of the tools that we teach and how to sell without selling. When I said that my platform closing ratio is 40 to 60%, most people say that's it. 
And I'm like, well, the oh my gosh, speaker, that's huge. Yeah. The average speaker closes what about 10% of a room, give or take on an average. And, and, and this isn't a hostage situation. No, <laughs> these people are free to go. Yes, people. Okay, are all right. Just want yeah. to clarify that. The doors all are the locked. It's all fire, fire compliant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just has. It's how important it is to connect. Yes. How important it is to to talk with, not speak at. Yes. Yeah. You know, which which leads me to you know a lot of our listeners are coaches. A lot of our listeners are are impact makers, content creators. So what advice can you give them? Because I know this is your wheelhouse. Well, you know, I think the first couple of things you want to do is be very clear about your expertise, what it is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. Then get clear on where that expertise can be applied in a really, uh, in, in a terrific way. Find a market that's fun for you that is receptive to your expertise, that is hungry for your expertise, and marketability comes into this. Have they historically paid for something yeah. like this? So those are some of the basic questions I think that you want to ask yourself. But I think that many uh, people, a, a common misstep to me is they are not able to communicate their expertise well. And I think that until you can do that, um, it, you're going to be hurting. Yeah. You're going to be hurting. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of speakers attempt to fill that motivational void, that motivational space, and and let's face it, it's filled, right? And there's yes. so much more of what it is people do. It's just, it's where the big names are, and that's where they think they should be. You know, and I just have to to talk to your use of the word motivation. I have been hired by speakers bureaus to help their agents sell speakers. Mm -hmm. And I said, years ago, I said to this owner of a bureau who's since become a friend of mine, I said, I'd love to speak to one of your big corporate clients who uses you all the time to choose their speakers. Mm -hmm. Can you get somebody to talk to me for 10 minutes? So I, I did. And this gentleman was just absolutely uh, had a real generous spirit. We spent some time on the phone and in closing, he said, you know, one of the things I'm always telling uh, this Speakers Bureau, quit sending me motivational speakers. Mm. And I said, why do you say that? Why, why do you say that? And he said, because I have been planning meetings for 30 years. I'm very good at it. I liken people who call themselves, label themselves motivational speakers. I look at it like cotton candy. It looks like it has a lot of substance but it dissipates too quickly. Yeah. yeah. So I tell my clients, and this is the market for sure, you want to lead with content mm -hmm. and then use motivation as an adjective. Yeah. yeah. You know, I or an adverb. I don't know what it is. I'm not an English teacher. But you want to say, I'm a high content speaker. Mm -hmm. I'm motivational in style. Mm -hmm. So people don't think that they're leaving just feeling a temporary pump up. Right. I always say that, that, you know, zero against motivation. It's just wind under a, a wing and it, yes. it eventually dissipates, right? Uh, tr it, truly. And it, it, this was a gift, this conversation with this gentleman mm -hmm. years ago, mm -hmm. um, because it changed the way I talked to my clients about how they should talk about themselves in the marketplace. 
Nice, I love that. So Lois, welcome to the signature question of the show. And I know, right? <laughs> Get your buzzer out. <laughs> what, what does selling without selling mean to you? This ties in perfectly with one of my phrase that pays that I say all the time, Stacy. And my phrase that pays is, do you think it would make sense? So here is my hard close when I'm talking to a, a speaker who I know will be a good fit for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I will say this. So do you think it would make sense for us to work together on growing your business? Mm -hmm. That is my hard sell. So <laughs> instead of saying, what would it take to put you in this car today? Yep. I'm going to say, do you think it would make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sales is a conversation not a monologue. Yep. And after you've made the assessment to me that, um, that we're a fit, it's inviting that person in, inviting that person in, but looking for movement, looking for some kind of a decisive cue about where they are. Mm -hmm. And if I've done my job well and my timing is good, they should be saying, I think it does make sense. I love that. You know, I get asked all the time just because of the sheer nature of what I do. Can you write scripts for my sales teams? And I'm like, I don't believe in scripts. I believe in conversations and conversations yes. are dynamic, right? And scripts, the, you know, the only problem with scripts, they sound like they're scripts. Exactly. Don't you just love it when you call 1-800-SCREW-YOU for customer service and then the person <laughs> on the other line goes, I'm so happy that you're calling me. Yes. And I'm like, well, I'm not. So can you just yeah. sit down and talk with me? <laughs> I mean, that, that it really is true. It really is true. Yeah. So I love your answer. You know, for me, selling without selling, it's about standing on a platform of self-belief, self-worth and empowerment. It's about having the mindset to back you with the confidence, avoiding arrogance, so that you can show up in a space of being the best solution for their need, want, and desire, understanding it so that you can move them through their decision-making process and end up in the best solution for them. And the only way you can do that is to make it about them and never about you. Get out of your head, make friends with the itty bitty shitty committee, have a board meeting that serves you and get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can both have your way. That's there you it. go. And you know, and I'll tell you a, an answer from a sales conversation may be that you're not a fit. I'm always looking for a no as much as I'm looking for a yes. Yeah. And seeking to be a resource when I'm not a fit. Yeah. And back when I did sales programs, I put up um, I put up on my website a frequently asked questions to answer the questions I wanted to answer, quite frankly, Stacey, yeah. the way I wanted to answer them. First question, besides sales, what do you speak on? Answer, nothing. Hmm. If you want something else, I'll refer you, but I won't do it. <laughs> and believe it or not, that um, concise piece of information mm -hmm. happened to be something that led people to me, to want to hire me. Nice. I love that. I love that. So Lois, welcome to the random round. 
See, I believe that success leaves clues. And yes. I like to ask questions of my guest experts to extract things so that our listeners can say, you know what, I really like that and then apply to self. Good. So I have a couple questions for you. So first question, first question is what is your morning ritual look like? My morning ritual, uh, my morning ritual is to ease into the day. I know a lot of people say, look, I get up at five and I work out. Th that is one of those things I outsourced, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at it. I outsourced it right away. I kind of have to have my coffee, have to ease into the day. I really like, though, um, mid-morning to mid-afternoon. Uh, I have a contact management system, as most business owners have. It's mm -hmm. the first thing I look at every day. What do I need, what do I need to do today? What mm -hmm. do I need to accomplish today? And typically, I will do the things that I least like doing right away. Mm, me too. Because yeah. it gives me momentum. Thinking I've got that behind me, I get to do the things that are fun for me the rest of the day. So that's kind of my routine. I love that. You know, what? one of the reasons why I tackle what it is I don't want to do first is because the day gets better. <laughs> it tr it's true. Yep. It really is true. Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, if I ever call you early in the morning, don't be insulted, <laughs> Stacey. Got it. I heard that loud and clear. <laughs> so, so my last question in the random round is what is your favorite word and why? Oh boy. What is my favorite word? Mm. You know, I'm going to sound like, um, I actually have a favorite word. I'm thinking, I kind of think of something else because I've used it too many times mm -hmm. in talking to you today. My one of my favorite words or my all time favorite word is grace. And it. it's living in grace, mm -hmm. uh, looking forward to grace, asking for grace and giving a lot of it, nice. a lot of it. So I would say that's my favorite word. That's beautiful. So I really appreciate you being on the show, Lois, and I have all your social media call to action, all your social contact. If our listeners want to reach out to you, is that how you want them to do it? Because we'll show that sure. in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. Anybody can feel free to email me, contact me uh, in any way that you're sharing uh, or pick up the phone and give me a call. Happy to, happy awesome. to do it. And this has been such a pleasure for me. I've been looking forward to this, Trace. Stacey, yeah. Tracy. <laughs> You know what? You can call me anything you want. Just make sure you call me. <laughs> That's right, Stacey. I, and uh, believe me, I will, but not early in the morning. Yeah, there you go. That works for me. Hey, thanks so much, Lois. I know how busy you are. I know how productive you are. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Your success is important to me. And it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, 
I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this. Choice is a powerful thing, and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.